I think just looking at the job seeker as more of a, as, as a consumer and think about how you're going to work with them as a consumer. I think that should be how agencies start to look a little bit more at people and about who they're working with. And the fact that they're not just going to have a big database and then keep that growing database, right? They have to do stuff with that database to make more money out of it because otherwise they just carry a bloat in their business and it's just a vanity rather than a sanity metric. Yeah, that's how I viewed it for a while now. And there are companies doing this. There are companies, I've seen companies turn off all external sources for 30 days, only use what's in the CRM and make more placements mm -hmm. than before they've done that. This episode is brought to you by Kyla Partners. Kyla or Bullhorn's specialist and Bullhorn's first invitation partner. Our solutions have helped 950 companies worldwide to streamline, automate, and customize to get the most out of Bullhorn. Our products provide you with the tremendous ROI, including a complete document manager system, Kylo Awesome Docs, and the most powerful data management tool in the ecosystem, Kylo Data Tools. To learn more, visit kylopartners.com. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Digitally transform your business the right way, the Leap way. Visit www.leapconsultingsolutions.com to find out more on how your business can build, change, and adopt technology the right way, the Leap way. Yeah, I had a very similar experience recently with a plumber and HVAC guy where I got a text message before they came over uh, with the person's picture and their family background. Uh, so it was super, super interesting. Yeah, I had a similar thing happen to me where the uh, person who was coming over for my HVAC repair, they sent me a text message from the company with the person's name, his photo, background in the family, et cetera. Uh, really, really different experience, but I, you know, definitely had a better relationship and better conversation with that person because I knew all that information up front. What is happening, Rob? Lauren, sometimes I don't feel like I'm close enough to this microphone to make an impact, <laughs> but today I know I am. Leaning, sometimes I don't feel like you're close enough to the microphone to make an impact. <laughs> I'm leaning into it, Lauren. So I appreciate lean in. Like Sheryl Sandberg said, you gotta lean in, Rob. I appreciate it. That's a great title to a and also oh, philosophy of business. So, mm -hmm. all right, uh, guys, with us today we have a YOE podcast vet. Uh, this one from across the pond in you're in Manchester, right, Matt? I'm in Liverpool. I was in Manchester Liverpool. today. Okay, that's why yeah. I was confused. So you're in Liverpool, but you're a Manchester United fan. I couldn't be further from a Manchester United. Fan. I am right. an Everton fan. Which is about the worst, it's like the worst thing that you could possibly ever support in like the world of football right now because I'm relegated. It's At least we certainly got investment from JJ Watt and his wife, right? Yeah. We need like the Ryan Reynolds touch right now. But no, I tell you, I do not watch football um, and, and I called it the right thing. Um, but uh, that moment <laughs> with Rob McElhaney and uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob uh, McElhaney uh, crying, that was, that was gold. They just got you straight. I am a Philadelphia, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That is the taste of success to a degree. Let's not talk about that last game, but uh, yeah, that's the side for me. So, so I do have that connection to some, some, some kind of success. 
Yeah. So by the way, Lauren, his wife is a Green Bay Packer fan, and it's one of my favorite things to do on Twitter is to mess with her when they lose to the Giants. Um, yeah. I don't know if she appreciates it, but I do every year. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I'm a Giants fan, so like I should be more angry at you for being an Eagles fan. But by the way, yeah. have you? Speaking of, by the way, guys, this, this is Matt Comer, the CEO and co-founder of Sourceflow. Yes, out of yes. the UK. Here's our, our guest here, our veteran. And <laughs> for, our veteran. Former yeah. CEO of, of Volcanic. I'm just uh, straight. <laughs> now he, or yeah. And now he's, uh, he's came, gone back on the entrepreneurial trip. Uh, but I'm not done talking about the Eagles for two seconds. By the way, are you, looking at, are, are you looking at their, their uh, Twitter profile where it says the yeah. Phila Georgia Bull Eagles? Bull Eagles. <laughs> I'll take that. Been, I mean, we've, yeah, it's like it's like a national championship game in practice because you've got like Alabama on one side of the ball, you've got Georgia on the other. So, you know, just winners. You know, you just want to win. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not mad at the the team for drafting how they have. So, um, <laughs> it it's clearly has a successful uh, recipe. Anyway, uh, guys, we are still on this theme for the month, uh, and this was not actually intentional. It just happens to be one of those uh, coincidental magic moments where we're talking about. This idea of platform integration. Uh, it's on the, this one more on the marketing side. So uh, how you can get better analytics, attribution, ROI, you know, tightly tie, tying your ATS CRM, your source of truth to your website. Uh, and there's probably not a, like there's a few people I would call to give advice. And Matt is on the short list of like two or three people that. that I would call. <laughs> Um, I probably would call you second only because the other guy lives in the U.S. and you're in the U.K. So, so from a time zone perspective, it's easier. Uh, but, yeah. But but you're both like A's. But one is like time zone okay, and the other one is time zone not okay. So. Okay, so it's like depending on the time of the day, I'm the crazy guy. Yeah. Maybe absolutely. as well. Okay, yeah. I take that. I'll I mean, take that. I wake up yeah. way earlier than that person does. So yeah. They're, they're yeah. That, the I mean, that's what we call fair weather friends. But I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I just made an answer. I'm trying to be Lord. convenient to get an answer in a timely <laughs> manner. But if you wake up at like four a.m. in the morning, like sweat five a.m., like, and I'm, I'm talking guy. to you, yeah, 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 I, I'm the guy. <laughs> well, so I love Matt that you think the way that we do on, you know, from from this perspective in the consumerization, like that. That's the word that I, I think we, I mean, along with community connection, consumerization, I think were our three words of last year that we kept, you know, diving into, but you know, COVID sort of forced the consumerization entering in the job market. It was going to inevitably, it just sped it up. And um, this idea of uh, the job seekers being consumers and expecting that same immediacy. And I want a job, I want to put it in my cart, I want to buy the job and I want to go on my merry way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah Matt, so what are, you, like, what are you thinking about now that you're back in the website? game and even tighter like with even tighter integration uh, than before so i think just generally speaking where we've got to i think over time things have evolved right and, and i think just there is a general level of advancement that's gone on with businesses right in terms of uh people have uh integrated their systems better together over the years or or maybe not better but they have integrated the systems together and there's been a step in that what i do still think is that I still think there's this kind of like, there's not, not really a plan, like a workflow around what that genuinely looks like in recruitment still. And I think people just integrate it just to kind of like, you know, well, data just needs to hand off to another system. And it's largely where it ends at that point, right? So it's 
a job traveling from A to B or a job applicant traveling from B to C, I think generally still that's kind of just like where we are with things. And there are some companies, but I would say it's still a really real minority. Or then doing something with that, right? And and kind of looking at it in a different way. So and I think that comes down to things like goal setting. I don't think businesses necessarily look at how like recruitment and staffing agencies, I don't think they necessarily look how they attract somebody, they're going to bring them into their funnel, they're going to then put them into another system, and then on from there, they're going to kind of bring the, the data together. So I do think there's been advancements. I think we've made steps over the years. You know, I've done this for, for a while now, and it's definitely gotten better, but it hasn't really seen the step change. We spoke about this, but it hasn't really seen the step change other industries have seen in this space. Like if you take e-commerce or maybe travel or, or kind of other industries, they've really taken this like capture engage, you know, attract, convert of, of a user, we just say, and then they automate that user or they do a lot more with that user once somebody, once they kind of got them in place. So I think we've made steps, but I just think there's still quite a long way to go in, in, in that process. Yeah. So tying it to like this connected recruiting methodology, but it's still, it's a, it's a flywheel, right? Whatever industry yeah. you're in has a flywheel of how you interact with the consumer um, or your customer, right? And Lauren and I say this a lot. We have multiple customers that we serve and everyone has multiple customers, right? Like every business serves their internal people and their customers. Uh, recruiting and staffing have two sides of a customer, right? They have the person who's getting placed, the candidate or the human capital inventory, as we like to say, Lauren. Um, and then the actual client, right? Where you're placing people. Uh, and then your internal, like we're not in this case, having integrated tools is really a much better experience for your internal customers, your employees. Uh, but we're, I think we're going to focus like heavily on those two exterior customers, right? The yeah. candidates and the clients and creating a better flywheel experience because all the data is integrated uh, into, this, into this flywheel experience. However, they come in, they get into the ATS, then you can start to do things like, you know, Delta sends me emails every day about their credit card. I'm like, thank you, Delta, but I don't want it yet. Uh, <laughs> like stuff like that, right? Like that is kind of where what we're talking about. Um, and Lauren, we have to say it every podcast episode. I'm, you're going to get it right this time, I promise you. We all know that there's no transformation without what, Lauren? Integration. Boom. We've been trying that for three episodes and we finally <laughs> nailed it. All right. Well, I felt like you guys just had a moment there and it was, it was just quite, I was kind of like happy to be part of that. <laughs> I have been saying that for a decade. There is no transformation without integration because what people miss. For all three of our consumers, right? Our colleagues, our customers, and our candidates. And I will say, recruiters are starting to now consider the tech stack that you own as an agency as either an attractor or detractor. So don't don't put the recruiter's experience or the salesperson's experience as secondary. It's it's now equally as important. So you know we have a lot of priorities. Um, but I I think you, you said something that was. That, that interests me on this, the source coding side or on the data side, right? We're looking at part of the data. We're not looking at the whole story. Agencies are really good at looking at source data. What they don't look at it comparatively to is source data and actual placements, right? Yep. They have source and they're like, okay, well, wherever I get the more, most candidates is clearly where, where I get the biggest bang for my buck. That only tells part of the story. Yeah. So I have a really controversial, and I don't, this may not translate too much into the US market, but you probably have seen the same thing. So 
in the UK market. Uh, I don't know if you guys get total jobs out in the US. I don't think they do too much kind of job no. board activity out there. Um, they're, they're a UK-based uh, job board. Um, and I'm going to say like maybe 12 months ago, um, they increased prices um, for some customers like 400%, right? It was a big jump, right? Like that's, that's quite a lot to swallow, right? Now, I have a slightly controversial view about total jobs increasing uh, prices by 400%, and it's this. Generally speaking, I don't like it, right? Because it just feels like a lot. However, if you, and I think the outrage came from this, I think the outrage was that people didn't know what the actual ROI was from total jobs, right? At the start of this. So you can replace total jobs at any job board, right? But they, they're a good instance of it. If they were making like a thousand percent ROI on total jobs already, then the 400% increase was high, but you would still pay the money, right? Because now your actual ROI is like 250, 300%, whatever it is, you know, when it comes to yeah. with the price increase. But it's not, but I, I would still pay for that, right? If I was looking three to one on a dollar, I don't think that's terrible. I know some agencies, 16 to one, they've got these incredible things, but yeah, I'm still probably paying. I might not like it. I might negotiate down a little bit on it, but I'd probably still pay for it. And Lars, your coins, I think it comes down to the fact that a lot of agencies, like you say, they might know a source, but they don't know what that source and went on to do. So right. from our, our world, what we look at it is we, and I saw this today, I was like, uh, I'm not going to name any names. I was looking at uh, an integration demo of a um, platform that I am relatively familiar with for another life. And uh, the integration platform um, had like, the source tracking. And it just said, this has come from Korea site, should we say. So this candy has come from a career site. And what it didn't say, though, was where that person started before they came to that their, their website, right? Now, actually, mm -hmm. that's the most important thing, right? Who cares if we know that it came from the career site? Like, that means nothing. What we want to know is that actually this person came from LinkedIn, found a job on LinkedIn, then they went to this recruitment agency website. That, all of that data needs to be then passed into a CRM system then that needs to be tracked all the way through to placements and the kind of pound dollar value at the end of that. Because then as an owner of a business, I can actually look back at attribution modeling or revenue analytics as we call it, Soulslow. I can look back at the whole stack and say, oh, hey, LinkedIn made $10,000 for me in the last month, right? And then, and then I can look at that across all my sources and I can say, oh, actually, we, we know actually where we're spending money. So the total jobs is making, whatever, replace that with any, any source, right? Is making $200,000 a month. We're paying 10,000. They want to put it up to 40,000. Okay, it's a jump, but I'm still going to pay it to make 160 in terms of, you know, profits on that. So, yeah, I'm, I I think we buy into that same kind of mantra of actually tracking all the way to placements, kind of down the tree and back up the chain again. I think that's kind of vital. And that's where I think agencies need to be looking um, right. at that type of level. Yeah, And oftentimes, and this is very, very recent. Um, the Two weeks ago, we had a client and they're all excited that they have all of these responses from, um, it, and I will name names, it was Indeed, right? Indeed's really great at bringing traffic in. That, that's fantastic. And they were like, absolutely, Indeed's our most profitable source. And, and I said, okay, well, let's look at the placements. Um, mm. Well, no, they bring in the most people. And I'm like, yeah, but do they make the most placements? It turned out <laughs> of all the fills, it was not LinkedIn. LinkedIn was last, or excuse me, Indeed was last from an actual placement perspective. Uh, what the, the, 
Right. It, yeah, it's quality over quantity. And that's why I hate CPC. You, you got to do cost per application. You know, you got to, if you're going to do something like that, don't pay for clicks and don't pay for noise. It's just white noise when you're, you know, migrating 3,000 people to one job into your system. It's just electronic candidate hoarding. Yeah, Sir. I have, I have a two thoughts on this. Number one, absolutely, Lauren, right? Like the, 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 the cost per candidate, but the cost per application and then tracking down. I thought you, by the way, I thought you were going that the ETS was the number one source of placements with that. Like the <laughs> candidates are already <laughs> in the system. Like you, just paid for three, you paid for three yeah. or four times of them. It should be, yeah. But you paid for them like three times because you kept getting them through Indeed and they were already in your, your system. Right. Um, Matt, to your point, right? And like in this whole job board thing, I think we need to start thinking about job boards like creators think about social media platforms. It's rented yep. space. If you, do, if you can't control it, it's rented, right? So like if, if LinkedIn decides to ban you one day and you're a creator, then you got a big problem. So if Indeed or Total Jobs increases that price, uh, you got a problem, right? So you really, and, and your ATS CRM, back to this this full circle thing, is like, that is your owned, you know, if you have a newsletter or if you're a social media creator, your newsletter list is your own property. Your ATS, what's in your ATS is your own property. Uh, yep. so, so you really need to make that where you're, where you're owning, you know, you're really owning the most placements and getting all the good, and if you get a ton of data from total jobs, ton of candidates with all their data, mm -hmm. like if the data is not good when it comes in, it's still going to create a bunch of issues, you know, longer yeah. term. Again, it's more I, noise than it is value. Yeah. I mean, I was, this is going to be, this is going to be a terrible comparison. It was, uh, I started watching Yellowstone yesterday. I'm, uh, one of these people. Matt like, loves the U.S. I like. Watch, I watch shows like 10 years after everybody else watches them. And I'm like, have you seen this new show? And like, I finished like nine years ago. I, it made me think that there was a bit in it where I, uh, Kevin Costner's kind of talking to his son, maybe. I'm episode one, like, forgive me. He's, uh, and he's saying like, what do you see? And he's looking at the cattle and he's like, gives him this story about like, it's kind of like this American dream type story about like, and he goes, I see $250 investment that I'm going to take to market for $750. And he, yeah. he says that when he got a, and I, I'm not telling, I'm, I'm what I'm not saying is treat people like cattle, but I actually don't think there's any of that view in the inventory side of things in a CRM or an ATS. I think people just like, there's a lot of vanity that exists within having a big, a big kind of database in your CRM and ATS. And actually you could be a far more effective business with a smaller, more nurtured kind of CRM ATS platform. I think, I think you can be like far, far better. And if you, if you kind of manage it that way, so I think, you know, just looking at the job seeker as more of a as as a consumer and like think about how you're going to kind of work with them as a consumer i think that should be how agencies start to look a little bit more at, at people and about who they're working with and the fact that they're not just going to have a big database and then keep that growing database right they have to do stuff with that database to make more money out of it because otherwise they're just carrying bloat in their business and it's just a vanity rather than a sanity metric yeah that's kind of how i've i've viewed it for a while now and you know, there are companies doing this. You know, there are companies I've seen companies turn off all external sources for like 30 days, only use what's in the CRM and make more placements mm -hmm. than before they've done that. There's been a few examples of that in the industry. Spencer Ogdom, one of them, one of the first that I saw do it, an oil and gas recruiter. And I think we'll be surprised like if they did that. I think they'd be surprised in the money they make. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, our, our, our terrible reaction to getting a job order is let me go post it as opposed to 
I'm prepared for the job order. Therefore, I already have a pipeline of candidates or I'm mm. selling in the vertical with which I'm recruiting in. A, yeah. So there's a Go match ahead. and I already have candidates. So when that order comes in, I am, you know, I'm boom, boom, boom. That, that's the ideal state is, is that we're, we're leveraging, we're selling what we have and uh, leveraging the talent, you know, within, in the system. But it doesn't come and, without really great messaging and a really so, great experience. So, you, so Matt, you get, so we're, we're talking about like, okay, we got good data into the system, whether it, wherever it came from, right? We invested in that data. So if it came in, not like a complete record, we figured out a way either through automation or the recruiter as they're interacting with the candidate, they start to compile that information and they're invested in the quality of the data set. Um, now we're and make sure they put in the source in uh, where they came from. Now we're looking at this, and I love this idea. You wrote RevOps in quotes in our notes, um, and I think about this a lot. And and Lauren, we this is like something that I've been. I think we've both been saying, but like whether it's a fractional human being who works for your company, making sure your data quality is good and your automation works, and and your ATS is like super valuable, and being like if your ATS is a house, you don't let your house not get worked on, otherwise it falls apart. Like that's very simple for us to understand. So this, so the, I like, I keep thinking like we need a RevOps manager, even if it's fractional. Um, and Matt, you wrote a note here. So I just want to let you kind of like, expand and describe what this person does and like what the value of sales ops or RevOps really is, as it kind of goes between sale, like your recruiters, your sales team and marketing and how you can really just tie that together using the idea of a platform with really good data. Yeah, I mean, so RevOps as a term has existed between, um, in, well, in tech time. companies for a long time, right? Like technology businesses and software as a service businesses, which is what I've done for a long time, have had this concept of RevOps. And, you know, when we started Saltalo, one of the kind of things that we were looking at was um, this concept that there's a disconnect in recruitment and staffing, and whether they know it or not, there's this like siloed approach between the sales team and their marketing team, and then maybe their IT, IT team. And... You, you only have to look at like the buying decision process that happens in businesses to see like, like how much is your marketing team actually brought into the CRM decision-making process? Well, usually it sits with the people who are using the, the software day-to-day -day, um, and then it might sit with the IT team to make sure like it sits properly or it's kind of secure. Very, especially in the past, like very a few times would you see marketing teams heavily consulted on them. And that to me is kind of insane because as a tech person, I've always made sure that the sales CRM and the marketing CRM are kind of the same thing, or at least totally integrated together. And RevOps is a role that I really surprises me has never been adopted too much within recruitment businesses, or it does not exist within recruitment and staffing firms, because it is kind of the perfect business type to do it with. You know, you have it's a heavy sales-led function, uh, which is heavily um, built on acquisition. It's all about acquiring the clients or candidates into the funnel, and then it's pushing them through, you know, through to the point where we place. That's kind of conversion that closed one deal, if you like, in a tech perspective. And then it's on from there to the the management of that customer on. And so, like the ongoing, like uh, land and expand kind of approach. That's what yeah. RevOps as a function does, right? It sits across and it says every decision that we make. It needs to tie in through data because that's what we're talking about here. It needs to make sure that data is aligned from when it enters our business in whatever type it is, all the way through to when we make money and then onwards to how we look after and provide a high customer experience. 
that's what a RevOps function does. And I, I kind of just think if you haven't got that kind of cohesion, like one of the things that's also we're trying to do is break that as much as possible down and make it easy, like break the current silo and make it as easy as possible for data to go between A to B, sync systems together. This stuff exists, right? We're not kind of recreating the wheel, but what we are doing is saying maybe recruitment is behind on this. Um, you know, we're and, enabling and, it. Yeah, we're enabling it to happen. Exactly, right? We're enabling this to happen. We're not the only people, or right? there are people doing this. That's a big drive for us. And I think businesses that have understood that and do treat it like that, they are the ones that you see sitting on stage at events talking about how well the business is, is going, right? It's not a secret sauce that they've got. They've just embraced maybe some kind of models from outside of the industry and then have actually put them into practice. And so your and this is going to be very like I'm Matt, you know how and you both know how biased I am. The person who runs your automation tool, whether it's like an IT person or it's usually a marketing person, is kind of that RevOps person. Yeah. But you have but you have to you have to yeah. But it's usually if it's a separate, if it's it's like their function, right? They're like they're running IT, they're they're helping with they're helping with tech stack, right? Whatever you want to call it, platform. They're helping with marketing. They understand the sales workflows because they have to build automation off of it. So that role is a really good RevOps person because they understand the workflows, the experiences, how the marketing works, right? And they you know, just generally have an understanding of all the technology you're using. And they're probably frustrated when it's not all integrated because they think of all the cool stuff they can and cannot do based on where, where data is living. Um, so I, I think if, if you have, if I had to point to a person that could do that in an organization, if you have that function, that could be like a really easy, you know, it, it's a title, right? They're already doing it probably, but that's right. just a title. Well, okay. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll forget. I'll forget. I forget this if I didn't say. And honestly, I had to write it on my hand then so I remember it. So I've, um, the, I'm pretty open. Um, the way that I would look at whether you whether you need a RevOps function or whether you, because I, I think you don't know you have a problem until you admit that you've got a problem right there. I think here's a good example of, of where kind of recruitment and staffing works today. And if, if your business works like this and not like what I'm about to say, you probably need to have a look at your systems and, and your RevOps function. Um, right now, if you're, if you're placing somebody and you're going to make a placement for like $20,000, 99%, I probably maybe even more of recruitment and staffing businesses just globally that I've ever worked with, and that's in the thousands. Uh, they will uh, firstly pay commission on them for the person that closes the, that's kind of a given. They will then look, may, maybe, Lauren, maybe they'll know the source. Maybe they'll know the source of maybe. where it came from and that place. Maybe, for example, maybe. And they will say, great. And they will look at it purely from that perspective. In tech, we would not be we look at it a different way. What we would look at it is this. We would say, where did the clients that I placed it with originate from? Okay. Because we placed that person, that the job seeker was placed with a business, right? And that business existed somewhere. And largely speaking, it's either going to be from outbound activity from a business development team or like an individual whose responsibility it is, or it's going to be from content that the marketing team put out. And if we look at the marketing content right now, if you put something out, which is like, I don't know, a salary survey or something like that, and it's a downloadable document and it sits on your website, and you've got to put some details in to unlock it. Your client probably will have downloaded that somebody will people will find that interesting that's why you make content right to to kind of gather that information 
or from whatever social marketing team are doing this, it's just as an example. But the, the marketing team have generated that client. Only by generating a client could we then possibly place a job seeker with them, right? Because we didn't have any opportunities with them until that moment. And you no know, businesses really go back and say, oh, well, how much is that piece of content generated for us? How much did the salary survey that we were writing, how much did that generate as its own piece of content? And if your business, if you sit there, maybe listen to this and think, oh yeah, I have no idea how much actually pieces of content generate for me in my business. Firstly, why are you writing content? Because I need to write a salary guide, Matt. Everybody else does it. Some, somebody told me I need to, right? Yeah. Um, but you should be able to trace it back. And that's RevOps. That is somebody who links everything together and says, yeah, we placed these people and this is where they came from. But this is where the client originated from. And this is what that actual value of the content marketing or whatever the jobs will spend or paid advertising, whatever the events we put on, whatever it might be. RevOps is the role really that has to link that entire funnel together all the way through. You are right, Rob. I do think it's probably somebody, I, I think it's a division, right? I think you build a team of three or four people. It's probably like a data scientist maybe in there or a data analyst. In God, I'm um, true. I, like I'm going to buy a gift card to the company. That <laughs> I can't believe, I made this prediction like three, four years ago that more recruitment companies would have data scientists and data engineers. It never happened. But, but <laughs> data is not in the system, so they would probably quit immediately. Yeah. They'd be like, what do you want me to do? No, I'm, I'm sorry. Like Then you have like a data mirror from all the systems. They're pushing it into a BI tool. Maybe they stay for that, but yeah. Yeah. I, I just think if you, if you sit, if you, maybe if you've listened to that piece and you think, oh, actually, I couldn't tell you where, where our clients originate from. I can tell you where our candidate placements are. Then you have a problem in that business. You have a fundamental, was it like a 50% of my marketing uh, spend works? I just don't know which 50%. You right. have that. You have that. Or marketing yeah. is the coloring department still. Like, oh, go make this print for me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Team. Oh, yeah. Man, like, marketing should not be, I know Darren uh, Pager has done this, but um, marketing should not be where recruiters go to sit and feel creative. You know, like I just sit with marketing to feel creative. Like it should be like where I go to make more money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I should go to speak to that team because they're going to make me more money. Revenue at choose. scale. Let's say it again for everybody. It's a revenue at scale. Yeah, scale. Well, I, and I think, so I wrote an ebook on this, right? So you need marketing, IT, and biz ops all working together because it's, a, it's, it's, it's treating the problem, not the symptom, when we, when we put those, those three uh, professionals together. Because inevitably what ends up happening is marketing's like, I need HubSpot. I have to have a HubSpot. So they buy HubSpot without telling anybody. And then, you know, your BizOps person is buying an onboarding product. Doesn't work with HubSpot. Doesn't do this. Doesn't do that. So we're, <laughs> you know, what we make these disparate buying decisions, which we see all the time, Matt, right? You've got different departments buying different things. IT lets it happen. And, and then we end up with this, you know, disconnected, disconnected Frankenstein. And uh, which. Ooh, that's a great like, one. Thank you. Disconnected uh, which, Frankenstein. Sorry, sorry, I love that. Compromises the experience for all three customers, your customer, your candidate, and your colleague. Yeah, yeah. entirely. And, and even if some of the data moves between those systems, the analytics won't, and the reporting <laughs> just doesn't flow between those systems, right? You might get to a stage where you can maybe connect some stuff together, but actually getting the whole kind of holistic view, it just doesn't work, right? It doesn't exist. Um, is kind of how I look at it. So 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And we see it all the time. Like these big purchases that get made from systems that have like no intentions of ever working together. And it, it, it confuses me. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's an absurdity um, yeah. because, you know, we're, we're uh, and this is, you know, sneak preview to, to some of my, to my talk at Engage um, is this idea of being rooted in your mission, vision, and values, having your website and your experience be a mirror of the things that are important to your organization. And so often it's just not where we begin. We begin... I don't know, kind of in the middle sometimes. We 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 make these decisions like more. I need more. I need more. Uh, mm -hmm. Not I need better. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, like I was talking before, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of part of this really kind of springs to mind in my head. And I think back to maybe like 2013, I, the first time I'd really see marketing automation like as a, a thing, you know, like, it could do something. And it was an airline um, that had, uh, you know, somebody purchased, I think I purchased something with an airline. And about a week before I was due to travel, I got an email and it said, hey, Matt. And then it said, you know, looking forward to seeing you next week, right? It kind of feels kind of standard now. This is 2013. And it said, you know, uh, looking forward to seeing you. Then it had a picture of my pilot. And it said, like, this is going to be your pilot. Uh, they're going to be flying you. You know, this is kind of what they're into, this type of stuff. And then it was like, oh, here's the weather. And, and then it was like, and here's some things to do. Remember to do this. This is your itinerary for when you're traveling. And it was kind of like this one email that told me everything about when I needed to travel. And I think that's because the travel industry adopted this way early. Like they were, and they, they just, they just thought, hang on, we have technology that can talk. Let's bring in single systems or one or two systems that can do everything together really really well uh, and then connect all the stuff into api if we need to and get it to all, all work in one interface and if you look at the experience that the top airlines have had i know uh southwest obviously have kind of had their issues <laughs> not gonna get into that learning because i'm not a therapist <laughs> voyage um but uh, you know they historically had a good reputation um there were changes were made i believe um so you know, I, I think those airlines, the ones that kind of did a good job of building it, they embraced technology to enable a lot of this kind of stuff to happen. If you look generally across the recruitment and staffing industry, not just in the US, not just in the UK, but as a global industry, there is no, there are very few, there's not, no, there are very few companies that have adopted this in a way where they've brought systems together, they've unified the data, they've cleaned it up, they've viewed it as a one-to-one, -one, you know, me to my customer, to my job seekers, to my clients cross the board to all the different stakeholders there are very few that have done and i think that's where really people need to start moving to i think okay. mentally that's that's the shift that has to be made otherwise it's going to take a tech company to do it or it will take you know just one agency to go and do it and that's that's going to be a problem well and i you're you're talking about the introduction of the pilot so i just um had a experience where i had a problem you know, and I was, uh, I, I was on with the help desk. Um, and then, um, I got the survey, uh, to, you know, they, they successfully resolved my issue, but it was the coolest thing that personalization that you're talking about, you know, here's the introduction to your pilot. You feel more connected to the brand because you feel like, you know, somebody, I mean, I know the pilot, you know, I know a little bit of personal about him. I get the email and it says, 
um, Angie was your support person. Angie likes cats. She likes this. It gave me a whole thing about Angie. There was no way in hell I was going to grade her badly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I felt like I know Angie now and I'm yeah. not going to think anything badly. I felt connected to her. Um, and it was just a little bit of surface information. And so that personalization creates that connection and that connection creates that brand loyalty. I mean, you bet, bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to go back to that help desk again. I, I may even ask for Angie, you know, <laughs> but it was so cool. It was a different. Yeah. Okay. yeah I had something recently, uh, very similar happened with my HVAC company. Uh, so they were scheduled to come over. They sent me a text message with the person's photo, the name, and a little family background. Uh, and it's just such a great experience that, I, you know, I, honestly, I had a better conversation with that person when they were in my home because I knew a little bit about them. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I think it would be nice to know about the person that's going to help you find your next job. What do they say? Like house moves and, and job changes, like the most, and maybe having kids. Like It could be stressful having kids, right? <laughs> Yeah, these are stressful things. Yes, very uh, stressful. <laughs> very stressful. Like, right here, mate. You can hear it all over in the background. Like he's just like watching Blaze and the Monster Machines or something. And I, you know, these are stressful things. But I kind of want to know who that person who's helping me find my yeah. next job is. Like, funny enough, I, I, it's it. But but we we maybe think of it as faceless, right? There could be a view that is a faceless industry of some incredibly talented people. These are professionals. It would be super easy, right? Like we can do, we can do it right now. Yeah, yeah. You're dealing with X, Y, Z. This is what they do. They, you know, they their kids going through college at Penn State. It's forty thousand dollars a year. Don't rate them badly on this. You know, like if you get an MPS, right? Like you, know, you kind of want that's Angie, right? Like that's yeah. like I, I want to, I, I. It made me feel connected, you know, and and. Yes, made me feel connected. I knew where she was going to school. I knew what she was studying. It just, you know, it, it was, it was awesome. And I gave her a five. I gave her gave her five out of five because there was no way I was gonna, you know, a brand new student give her a four. Oh my god! I got resolved. Had a good experience. You had the follow up. It was, it was, it was set correctly. But I think it comes back to kind of what we've we've really been speaking about here, which is two sides of this. I think the first side is you need all of the data to flow through your systems correctly and in mm -hmm. tune with one another to get to the point where that service can happen. Right. Like I, I think that's positive. And then you need on the uh, the ROI, the analytics attribution modeling side of things. Then you need to be able to track everything that's happened along that step to then show how much money you're actually making from that. Because obviously Angie's interaction with yourself. That is a churn prevention method that's just kicked in for that business. They don't want to lose you as a customer, right? They don't want you to go. They don't want you to write a bad review because that will stop new business and they'll have a big. So these businesses understand that this is a three sixth process, and I think you know that that is exactly what we've been speaking about here, right? We we've been talking about let's push data through, let's get it in the right areas, let's make sure that we can collect data and pass it off correctly, but then let's report back on that to see where we're making where we're making money, right? And that's we are in that business of making right. money like that. That's why we do this, right? Yeah. And this really brings us back to this whole e-commerce mindset that's enabled by thinking about your business as a platform. If you can see all those touch points, whether they're, you know, initial screening or a customer success call, whether you're a SaaS product, a direct consumer or a staffing business, right? Like if all of that is in the CRM or ATS or system of record, doesn't matter what you call it. 
uh, you're going to be able to provide a much better experience for your customers. Yeah, e-commerce have been doing it for a long time. Yeah, e-commerce have been on this for a long, long time. Um, and I do think we we brought into our stack that kind of like, uh, you know, what people are doing when you're on your websites. We shameless plug, but we we build websites. Like it's one of the parts of our stack that we do. But we have technology that says like, where did this person come from before they came to you? Then what are all the things that they did on your website? How long were they on each page for before they transacted on that website? And then we passed all of that data off into Sarah. So you can then start to build this really, you can start to build a one-to-one -one, um, kind of view off with, within that stack. You can push it into automation software. You can kind of do the whole thing. I think that's where e-commerce has been there for a little while now. Um, and I think we're now starting to see that catch up big time. So do you think recruitment agencies will really get to this full e-commerce mindset and workflow in their tech stack? I think, I think recruitment will get there. I think recruitment and staffing will get there. I don't, I don't think that they, I don't think this industry doesn't want to evolve in that way. I think what it probably needs is um, maybe some tech partners to come together and get this done and kind of work together to, to really build this stack in, to build this kind of best in class. That's our, that's our intention. Like that, that's, you know, firmly cards on the table where, where we want to be in that space. And, you know, we all know and have worked for and worked with great businesses that are all kind of, um, kind of geared up to do more of this now. So, yeah, I, I think that we will get there. If anyone wants to have a chat and see what we're doing, like obviously more than happy to do that. Yeah, there are there are a few good people in this industry. And I like to think the three on this call are, are, are in that space who, uh, who want to see this really kind of move to the next level. I, I think that's where I see it. Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was so awesome. Matt, how do people find you if they are interested in source flow? Uh, you can come to my house. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's fun. First it, time. It was just ready to find me. <laughs> it's just ready to find me. Uh, usually link, LinkedIn's the best place. That's where I live. Uh, that's where I spend a lot of my time. I'm talking about different things. AI, obviously everything. I've lived in this industry for so long now. Yeah, I love it. I breathe it. So you'll hear me ramble about things in this industry. Um, but LinkedIn's probably the best way of catching up with me. I'm not cool enough to have TikToks and things like that, right? I just <laughs> stick it to LinkedIn, write some contents on there. And, uh, and and people seem to like it and follow it. So yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. Are you coming to engage Boston? Are you are you making the flight? I might get a flight over and stay in a hotel around the event. Oh, cool. So we 2020, Solo US. I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but uh, Solo US is 2024. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for jumping on. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry you're an Eagles fan. Well done, Rob. Okay, thank yeah, you, appreciate Rob. it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the You Own the Experience podcast. You can catch all our previous episodes at whyowepodcast.com and learn more about our thriving staffing community by signing up for the YOE newsletter. And coming soon is Staffing Huddle, an online open community dedicated to your staffing success. I'm Rob. And I'm Lauren. Go do something, something good. good. Bye, guys. <laughs>